Hello, and welcome to Captive Audience. I'm your host, Kelly Hayes, um, and it looks like we're, we're in again for quarantine. Um, this, this week, or two weeks, we, I decided to uh, dive into a little bit of Sondheim. Um, I'm here with my friend, Blake, who we studied in Copenhagen together when we were, when I was studying in architecture um, about, I think it's been like three years. So it's really cool to like have this experience. I didn't even really know Blake was super into theater. Um, Blake, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Blake, uh, Blake Stavros. I am from Los Angeles, California. Uh, so I am very far right now from Kelly. And we're doing this remotely, which is a very interesting feature. <laughs> Woo, time differences. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about your experience with theater? Um, yeah. Uh, so I was a uh, music kid growing up. Uh, I played in wind ensemble and orchestra, and uh, I performed in the pit in musicals in high school. And I actually got to uh, go to Broadway in middle school and I saw The Lion King, which was the first musical I've ever seen. And it's an amazing musical. Yeah, yeah. Um, to reiterate how I got into theater, I also did theater in early school and middle school as well. Um, I also saw tons of shows. I saw a lot of Broadway shows. Luckily, I'm closer. I'm on the East Coast, so I'm a lot closer to Broadway. Um, but I got to see a few shows and that's kind of how how I got into um, the theater kind of, and then it wound up pulling me back in while I was in architecture school. Um, and I think Blake can attest to my Hamilton obsession while I was over in Copenhagen. Yeah, you were deep in that uh, when you were in Copenhagen. <laughs> yeah, right into that rabbit hole. Um, but so today we decided to watch Into the Woods. Um, the there's a version of Into the Woods that we watched um, that they did in 2012. Um, and they did it in a theater that's in Central Park, which is really cool because it's an outdoor production of Into the Woods. Uh, Blake, do you want to give your non-spoiler kind of review of the show? Uh, yeah, so uh, I have an interesting opinion about uh, Into the Woods because... The first time I saw it, I did not like it. Second time I saw it, I loved it because I understood what the story was about. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is not the first time I've watched this musical. Uh, mm -hmm. This version is... It's the first time I've seen this version, but I know the story and I was able to appreciate it in all of its glory and I highly recommend this version. Yeah, which is, is pretty different from... Uh... Most of most of my guests, most of my guests um, watch uh, tend to be it tends to be one of the first times that they're watching a show or going to a show. The quarantine version is now kind of watching over the internet together. Um, but so I also would totally recommend watching this version of the show. Um, it has a lot of stars in it. Um, uh, I really want to say that her name is Sarah Styles, but I'm not particularly sure um but she plays uh robin i'm trying to call her robin hood and that's not it 
Um, <laughs> little Red played, Riding Hood? Yeah, she plays Little Red Riding Hood, and she is also plays, um, she was just recently in Steven Universe, um, which is really cool, uh, which is an animated series. She played Spinel, um, and then she was also just in a Broadway show. Uh, and then also the cast has Jesse Mueller in it and Gideon Glick in it, um, Josh Lamon, um, as well as like some superstars like Amy Adams, Donna Murphy. Um, we'll get into that in a second, but it's really like a star studded cast. And I really like recommend even like, honestly, just on the casting of it, like just watch it because of the casting of it. Um, but I also just like really enjoy Into the Woods. I think it's a fantastic musical actually I think that Sondheim's musical Sondheim's music in this show particularly is pretty accessible um because I think that his music kind of goes along with Into the Woods as a story um and so a no spoiler is kind of like I definitely think you should go see the show you should go watch the show online um and the pro shoot is just straight up online from two from nine, it's like 1989 or something. The really old, old filmed version of Into the Woods is online um, and nobody has touched it. So I assume it's like fair game. Um, but so when, but when I first asked uh, Blake to do this musical uh, or that he wanted to be on the podcast, I asked him what all his top five musicals were and you gave me six musicals. Um, one of which yeah. was Sweeney Todd, which is another Sondheim musical. Um, and then you said that if you could pick a seventh, um, it would have, and then I recommended because it was Sondheim, I recommended we do Into the Woods. And then you said it would have been your seventh musical. Um, so I just like wanna hear some of like your controversial, like hot takes in general about Into the Woods before we dive into this particular production. Um, so, so what did you, what did you think what did you think? What were your controversial opinions about End of the Woods about? Um, so at this point, we can, uh, this is spoiler alert territory, oh, right? Oh, correct, correct, correct. Okay. Blake's doing <laughs> my job for sure. me. It's a spoiler. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go into spoilers now. So if you haven't watched it, we recommend that you watch it. Please go watch it. Um, go ahead. Okay, so um, the my, like, biggest gripe with uh, into the woods as mm -hmm. much as I love it mm -hmm. uh, the reason why I hated it the first time is because there are two full story arcs mm -hmm. like there is a conclusion an hour in and mm -hmm. you think it is over mm -hmm. and then it's just like oh just kidding you have to sit through another hour and especially the first time going through it it is frustrating to have you you get a conclusion <laughs> And yeah. then they're like, oh, no, all the good stuff that happened, uh, let's just throw a wrench into that, kill off half the cast, and uh, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so I, that very much was my main reason of why I did not like it the first time through. But then the second time through, knowing that that would happen, I it calmed me down a little bit and I was able to appreciate the movie or the, the musical. Yeah. Um, and I also do think that uh, another controversial opinion I have uh, mm -hmm. sort of is uh, one of the morals of the story is that, you know, if you, 
go into the woods for like selfish reasons, bad stuff tends to happen to you. Okay. Um, like it happens to the sisters of Cinderella and to um the evil uh the witch. Mm-hmm. Uh and then towards the end of the movie it also happens to the baker's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh but then I do think that it is kind of odd how that only happens to the female characters when especially the two princes are complete self-righteous assholes through the Mm -hmm. whole movie yeah and nothing bad happens to them (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, yeah that's true um i it's like a it's a weird now that i mean now that i think about it like it's a weird kind of punishment that um it's kind of like the the women make mistakes and then they're punished for it and then the men kind of just they get to live with the knowledge that their spouse is dead or you know um yeah it's like it's that's weird that is weird that that happens um yeah although i think i think that they're i think i think the women are given at least Cinderella and the baker's wife i think are, and even uh, Little Red Riding Hood, I think are all almost more complex characters in a way than, I don't know, I, I the more I watch the show, the more I realize how much I don't like the baker. <laughs> I just, yeah. like, I can't feel sympathy. Like, at least his wife, like, wants to do something, like, even though she's kind of a jerk in the first half, um, where she's trying to, like, find the... Um, when she basically like tricks Jack into giving her giving getting five beans for a cow, like she has a goal where like the, she's basically dragging along the husband at every turn. Um, but I also think it's really interesting to see like different people's interpretation because I would say in the movie where James Corden is playing the baker, um, I think that James Corden is more like is like a friendly like jolly kind of face. So you kind of, he's a lot more likable. Um, whereas I think in the version that we watched, the Central Park version, the guy who who plays him is a little bit less likable, which is really interesting. But I also think that some of the things that the Central Park version does is much more, does a lot more things with the story. Um, although you're right, it doesn't solve that woman problem. That is very interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, and like, I mean, I didn't even realize it until maybe the, like, fourth time I watched it. Yeah. Uh, and then I was just like, because uh, I watched the movie version. Right. And I I was just like, why is, like, Emily Blunt's character, she's so nice during the whole thing. Yeah. And then she has, like, one little, like, moral slip-up where she kisses someone who's not her husband and then she dies. Yeah. I mean, it's all, like... That's not very redeeming. Yeah, I mean, in the so one thing that's different about the movie than the musical is the inclusion of the mysterious man, um, who we find out is the baker's dad, um, like his real his real father who did not quote unquote die in a baking accident. He just straight up like left him, um, but he actually dies at the end of the first act. Um, so he's like one of the he's one of the men that dies. Um, there, it's like one man and then. 
The the Two. list of people who die are Jack's mom, the baker's wife, and then the mysterious man. Um, I thought that uh didn't somebody else die? Uh the No, I no, never mind. Sorry. No, I, I think that I think that's it. They're the three characters yeah. that die. And Rapunzel gets squished. Yes. So that's that's four people. So three women and one man. Um yeah. I don't know. I don't think it would be I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird to say because it's such it's such an ensemble story and a lot of the women like and the men have very like thoughtful arcs. But the decision I can see the decision to kill. Okay, so here's a really interesting thing with the movie is it's really interesting that the baker's wife um, dies after she basically has like this whole epiphany. She goes through what is essentially a character arc in like half of the song um, after she kisses the prince and possibly does. it's in the in the play. It's implied that she does a lot more than just kiss the prince. Um, but in the movie, Rapunzel doesn't die. Mm-hmm. In the movie, Rapunzel does not die. It's I think it's implied she lives. The uh, the prince. Um, uh, so, okay, so now I have to go back and, and clarify even more, like, it's like, when you reach, like, the tail of something, you get another beast you have to tackle. Um, so, in the, in the musical versus the play, only one of the princes is very, uh, it, the only, both of the princes are unfaithful. They have this funny song called Agony that they get a reprise of, um, and the reprise is basically how they want to seduce two more women who are implied to be Snow White and Sleeping Beauty which I love. I love that twist. Um, and both Rapunzel's prince and, and Cinderella's prince, uh, cheat and, and it's implied they're both cheaters. They're both terrible in the movie. However, Rapunzel's prince stays with Rapunzel after she has a baby or the twins or however many children she has, depending, I think, in which one. Um, and it's like, they are never heard from again. Um, Rapunzel has her standoff with her mother and then she leaves her mother and her mother sings the stay with me reprise but it's implied that Rapunzel lives with her prince and her baby so Rapunzel actually doesn't die in the movie um which is I think I don't have a problem with that um I think that a lot of people had a problem with it because it brought on the character development within the witch that like she was a terrible mom, but um, it I I think that just Rapunzel leaving her alone is enough of a character driver that when like she left like that's all the witch needed like as as far as the witch knew she was dead, so I don't think it was maybe necessary to kill Rapunzel. Um, I'm trying to like bring the like the ratio of women dead to men dead like more <laughs> of an equal standing, um, and I don't think I don't think uh, Rapunzel needed to die. Um, I actually kind of agree with that in the movie, um, although I do love the agony. I do love the reprise of agony. Uh, it's so good. It's so funny. Yeah, it is really funny because like. The first time they sing it, it does seem, like, very sincere and heartfelt and, like, they're out for the woman that they love and they're gonna love this woman for, like, their whole life. And then 
at the end it's all like oh wait no there's another woman and yeah like it, it just implies that this is just some never-ending cycle yeah yeah um another really cool thing that i like about um about into the woods is their double casting um so in the central park version it's it kind of brings on a whole new meaning so we're not going to talk about that yet but um normally in the in the musical version of into the woods the homeless man or the mysterious man basically the baker's father uh doubles as the narrator in the original version that's how it happened we saw an interpretation where a kid was the narrator but in the original version the narrator and the father are the same character which is really cool or the narrator and the mysterious man are the same person um another really interesting dual casting is the prince and the wolf so cinderella's prince and the wolf are also played by the same person in almost every production um, and that's intentional. That's not because they're missing cast members or they don't have enough cast members. That is consistent throughout all versions, which is really cool. I really like appreciate the character detail um, in that. Um, naturally, with Into the Woods, you always have a lot of double casting, but the specific ones are always really interesting to see. Yeah, I just think that the, the, narr the narrator and the homeless man slash mysterious man being the same person is really cool when the whole Into the Woods is basically just about passing on stories to new generations. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool device. Mm -hmm. Like a storytelling device of just like, everything's just this repeated story that is told by the same characters, essentially. Yeah. Because even in the uh, the movie version, it's James, uh, James Corden, the baker, yeah. telling the story to his now orphaned son and that's the yeah the cycle it, of it yeah it just keeps like looping around mm -hmm. um i mean i just like wish that i do kind of wish that they had the mysterious man in the in the um in the movie i think that that would have like it i don't know like he like he really just comes in as like a disembodied voice or does he even come in as a disembodied voice i think like no no the song no more that he sings with his dad which is right before not uh no one is alone um is normally sung with his dad and i think in the movie he still sings a little bit of no more but it's done like and the the person who is supposed to be his father is the instrumental kind of like a cello i think like playing back at him which is like really pretty but like i kind of wish it was i you know the whole I mean, like father son thing is kind of a, is is a big thing in the musical and like not at all like it does not exist in yeah. the in the in the movie which is unfortunate because i really i really like that um and it's something that the show that we watched uh the central park version like fully plays up um the father son dynamic uh but that's what happens when you uh have to pay Meryl Streep to be in your movie. You oh know? my god. <laughs> you either get Meryl Streep or a cohesive story. <laughs> yeah, but she's so good. I really like her. Her her singing wasn't the strongest, but Meryl Streep is just she's like Meryl Streep. Although Donna Murphy as the witch in our production um is probably one of the best witches, I'm gonna say. Yeah, um, she was amazing. Yeah. Um as much as I love Bernadette, um, who plays the original 
um, which I will be linking to because that is basically required watching, especially when it's so professional. We watched the worst bootleg today. It was just not great. Um, but the production is twelve is is from two thousand twelve, so it's eight years old. So I was like, fair game. But so Blake, what did you what did you think? Do you have any more hot takes on on Into the Woods? Um. I don't think so in general, uh, just on the story. I mean, I probably do that I just am not remembering right now. Oh, actually, yeah, one more hot take. One of the best lines of any musical uh, is by the, it's by Jack's mother uh, when she says, while our withers wither with her. And I think that that is just the like most witty way to say that sentence i don't even know what that sentence is trying to say but i get the essence of that sentence yeah. uh like uh yeah i mean my sister's also, utters, that's basically yeah my sister a wither is like a cow is a, is a part of a cow utter or something like so honestly i did not even know that i yeah. just appreciated saying wither three times in a row and i assume each time means something yeah. different <laughs> yeah it's like while it's while her withers wither with her, which means like while it's like withering away, the the wither the noun which is the the utter is withering the with the deterioration of it with her with the cow. It's just genius. <laughs> it's, I love it's so I love good. wordplay. Yeah, My, <laughs> one of mine is uh, when the baker's wife um, when she cheats on the prince and she's having her epiphany. And I'm not going to quote this correctly. It's it says like when you've had an and is it is or more makes the or mean more than it did before. It that is like it's so it's so good. Like I don't know how Sondheim like writes some of these things. The entire song of on the steps of the palace where she's like having like a panic attack. Like uh, Cinderella is basically having a panic attack when her shoe is kind of left in the mud. Is like that's like crazy. I'm just now realizing that I did not summarize Into the Woods at all. So just a quick summary for those who have made it this far. I I don't know. I'm assuming everybody who made it this far knows what Into the Woods is, but I'm going to say it because I feel bad. Um, Into the Woods is a musical by Stephen Sondheim. Um, and it, like Blake was saying, it sort of has a, a, a plot in the beginning in the first half and a plot in the second half. So it's basically following the grim versions of the fairy tales of Little Red Riding Hood. Well, unless, I don't know if Little Little Red Riding Hood is a Grimm's fairy tale version of it, but the Cinderella version, is, the Cinderella story in the show is the Grimm's version of it. Cinderella, Jack and the Beanstalk, and Little Red Riding Hood um, combined with this new tale, which is the baker and his wife, um, are all put together in a, in a show. And, and Rapunzel. Yeah, and all the stories and all the stories play out like they normally would. Jack climbs up the beanstalk. Cinderella has her Grimm's fairy tale version for three nights at the festival, um, and her it's her grand her her mom who is her quote unquote fairy godmother. Um, and then Little Red's journey, and then eventual eventually being saved by a hunter who is now being played by the baker. And the baker and his wife uh, are barren. And they want to have a child, so they go to the witch. I forgot. There's also Rapunzel. They shove in so many fairy tale stories. It's so cool. Um, and it's... they inter and then they interweave them. So the witch gives the baker and his wife a proposition. She says, "If you will get these four things for me, um, I will 
give you a child. So the 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 cow, uh, the cow is white as milk, the cape is red as blood, the hair is yellow as corn, and the slipper is pure as gold, which of course is one item from every fairy tale. And they gather it, and then they have their child, and everybody has their happy ending, and then that's just the end of the first act. And there's like a rumor that like during the previews of this show, Sondheim had to like run out of the theater and like tell people that the show was not over and bring people back into the theater, um, which is like super funny in its own right. Just imagining like Sondheim, like running out to people running out of the theater and being like, it's not over. And then in the second half is basically when everything falls apart and the giant, the giant uh, who Jack killed, his wife comes down the beanstalk because of a bunch of situations that were literally laid out in the first act that you think nothing of. Um, and then uh, in the end, it's uh, it's still a happy ending. But unfortunately, there are a lot of, I mean, if you've made it this far, you now know a lot of characters have died. Specifically uh, women characters. Yeah, they basically like kill off like a half of the cast, um, <laughs> which is like super interesting. And it's a, it makes it a very like adult kind of thing. Um, what's really Game funny Thrones, is that fairy tales. what's funny is that the junior into the woods junior version, which is the one that they released for like young elementary schools or middle schools to do, um, is just the first act of this show. Uh, and then they just don't do the second half, um, which is really funny. So that's that's basically what the show is about. And maybe I'll find a way to kind of uh, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe I'll find a way to take this chunk and put it in the beginning just so I have it there. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm learning how to edit as I go along. But so did you have a relationship with this? I'm interested if you had a relationship with this show. Like, when did it start? Um, well, not a monogamous relationship. Okay. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard of this show when I was, like, first getting into musicals, and it didn't, the plot of it didn't interest me too much. What age was that? Um, that was like middle school yeah early late elementary school maybe yeah Um, i remember hearing about this show and i was like whenever i think about what musical was my quote first musical it gets earlier and earlier every time i think about it because i'm like was it wicked no it wasn't wicked i think it was actually into the woods i remember the high school goes around and performs a little bit of their their show to the elementary kids to get the elementary kids to come see the shows at the high school um, and I'm, like, pretty sure that I remember seeing the first act of Into the Woods, like, in my elementary school, um, and then wanting to go to it. So I remember seeing Into the Woods very early on. So what, when did you, when did you, was it your first Sondheim show? No. No? Um, I'm trying to think of what is Sondheim and what is not. But oh my I, God. Know, I know for a fact I saw Sweeney Todd yeah. before. Okay. Um, Because that's very much like in the type of style that I, I grew up with. That like sort of macabre horror thriller type stuff. Yeah. My dad would make me watch like horror movies as a kid. Oh Not a good God. parent, but... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But like that's the style I was interested in. Yeah. And then as I got older and started watching things on my own, uh-huh. uh, I started watching some of his other stuff with my sister. And mm-hmm. my sister really liked Into the Woods, and she's the one who made me watch it the first time. Uh-huh. And uh, I-, I mentioned I did not like it. And then like a year later, I watched the movie version of it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is... Like, I understand the story. It's not super confusing. I know that there's two movies or two stories in one now. So, uh, yeah, it, it 
took a while for me to actually appreciate this story. Yeah, I I think that the way that they tell the story, where it's like there are a bunch of stories that are interweaved, um, not to like spoil Wicked for any of you, we probably won't ever do a podcast on Wicked. Um, I don't know, maybe we will. Um, but like Wicked, I don't, have you seen Wicked? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole, you know, the whole, um, we're going to spoil it right now. So the whole point where the the boyfriend becomes the scarecrow and the the lion that Alphaba takes care of in the beginning becomes the cowardly lion. And then um, the boy that Bach, Bach becomes the tin man. Mm-hmm. Like that whole thing, like is, is, is one of my favorite things. Like I love being able to be like foreshadowed. I love watching a show and being able to watch it again and appreciate it even more. That similar to literally like the show that I was talking with my friend, I, it'll be two podcasts or maybe even three podcasts, whichever one it's spies are forever or, or yeah, spies are forever, which is the tin can brothers show is the same way. It was a musical about spies And so, of course, there were, you know, these twists and turns. So when you watch it again, it's like super like, like, oh, so that's what happened. And that's where that came from. And that's like the kind of storytelling that is my favorite kind of storytelling. Yeah. And I think uh, like Stephen Sondheim does this in a lot of his musicals, that sort of plot twist that Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily ruin the experience if you already know it's happening. Yeah. 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 Because even with uh, Sweeney Todd, uh, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but there's a character that's introduced through the whole musical that is referenced to as a different character, and you find out at the end that yeah. they're the same person. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I I really like... I think that... I mean, I wish that... Um, uh, I have one friend who I want to come onto the podcast, and I want to do like a really intricate, like, musically... In musically intricate musical with her because she's so much better at like being like oh well this is like a minor third and an inverse on like a minor fourth and a major seventh scale or she knows all of that stuff and like I have no idea I am like very bare bones musical knowledge when it comes to that kind of stuff um I liked how in the second act of Into the Woods um when they start singing about how they have to go back into the woods in the beginning of the second act um, they start singing it in a minor key. Um, and that's like the one thing that I noticed that was musical. Um, but a lot of like Sondheim's like tips and tricks. Um, I watched a video um, on the musical motifs of West Side Story, which Sondheim also wrote. And like the musical motifs in West Side Story are like incredible. Um, that does not excuse him putting in gibberish for Spanish, but he is good at musical motifs and you could learn a lot from him but yeah that is true and it makes me mad it, it's great how uh this podcast about musical uh has criticized Stephen Sondheim both as a racist and a sexist <laughs> subtly very subtly <laughs> um, but you know um, what he's good at making musicals <laughs> huh he's good at making musicals well yeah I don't think that I don't think that anybody no matter how big they are are exempt from criticism and as much as I love Sondheim and I love Sondheim Sondheim is one of my favorite musical theater writers I'm gonna like call him out when he does something terrible and I agree that West Side Story was a really long time ago and he did bring in Lin-Manuel Miranda to um come in and fix his Spanish lyrics in like in the revival they had a revival in 2009 Sondheim has also had some pretty like recent comments 
uh, certain casting controversies that have come up. But I'm not going to talk about them because I don't feel like going and finding the links for them. But they're there if you want to find them or if you want to hit me up and talk to me about them, you know, come at me, we can have a conversation. But let's talk about the production that we just watched. The story was basically the same. The It was outside, which was really cool. But the one main difference about it was that the narrator, instead of being the father or being double cast as the father was actually played by a kid. Unfortunately, the bootleg that we have cuts the show off five minutes uh, into the into the show. So I think in the beginning, there's a scene with the boy where he has an argument with his father. And this is completely separate from Into the Woods. He's having an argument with his dad um, and his dad is also being played by the baker. And then he runs into the woods and he basically starts telling the story of Into the Woods. Um, and by the end of the show, he makes up with his, his dad and they start singing Children Will Listen. Um, there are some changed lyrics in the end song. Um, and he reunites with his father and everything is better. But during the show, something that's really cool is that the kid has a bunch of like dolls. Like there's this one line where that is so funny just because of how dismissive it is. Um, he goes like, and Rapunzel was banished to uh, to the desert in the middle of nowhere. And then he turns around, and he has a Rapunzel doll, and he throws the doll into the trees, which I thought was kind of hilarious. And then at some point, the princes have the dolls as well. It's weird. It's like he only has a Rapunzel doll. It's it's because it was filmed not great, but I don't really see, didn't see him playing with too many other dolls besides Rapunzel. But and I thought I that was a cool touch. Yeah, and I also think it's really important when talking about uh, that that kid, the narrator, mm -hmm. uh, that he's dressed in, like, just normal 2012 kid clothes. Yeah. So, like, it's supposed to be, like, a kid just was walking through the park and just stumbled upon this stage and put on this production in his own imagination. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think that, like, everything, even down to, like, talking about props, he used dolls. There was also parts of the story where the cast would come out and, like, be the set. Um, So they yes. would be the bed that the wolf slept in to trick Little Red Riding Hood. Um, They, like, all came out to be the, the, the giant's wife, uh, like, her face. And it was very, like, puppet. It was very, like, puppetry, which was really, really cool. And, like, added to the motif of of this is in a child's brain. A child would put together a ton of found objects and would have the imagination to make all these things from nothing. Um, and I think that that was, that was part of the, of, the, of the story that the children, the child was the narrator, which is, which is cool because like the, the, whole, the whole ending of it is like about like, you know, children may not obey, but children will listen which is exactly what he did. He didn't obey his dad. He had a fight. He ran off, but he listened to his dad and all of the things that he said about this story that he supposedly told him and he could retell it for everybody. So it's like, it's a very interesting take. That's like, is very like fresh. Like I would totally love to see that production come to Broadway, like a new reinvented Into the Woods come to Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. What did you, what did you think of, what did you think of the props and the, sets the not the not the set in particular but like the the props and how they use the props to create certain sets so i mean i absolutely love that idea uh i thought it was really cool how they did that uh multiple times with multiple sets 
uh, like the main set that was just there was just this like giant treehouse. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people were just climbing all over it at different levels. Uh, the giant was at the very top mm-hmm. with the like five or six people holding those. I believe they were just umbrellas that like created this face. And then um, there were like props of the hands of the giant that people kind of just like kind of threw down to the ground at the end when the giant fell and I think it's just really unique and mixes that like high budget and practical low budget type stuff together. Yeah I think it's I think Into the Woods is similar to Romeo and Juliet where it's such a staple now that everybody does like different interpretations of like Into the Woods and Romeo and Juliet so I think that it's a really interesting a really interesting like take with Into the Woods that I haven't seen, like, at all. Um, and I wish, like, I wish we could have more iterations of Into the Woods because Into the Woods is one of the coolest shows, I think. Um, I want to, like, talk about the costumes in Into the Woods. I think some of the costumes were super cool. I think that they were, like, modern, but they were also fantasy, which is speaks to the narrator who definitely yes. cobbled up these costumes, like, from his mind, like, what he thought, like, medieval people wore, but then also probably... So, like, unconsciously put in elements of uh, what a normal, like, 12-year-old sees in a park. So, the mysterious man slash the old man, homeless man. I'm calling him, like, eight different things at this point. Um, he looks has, like, like a, a backpack and a, and, a, and, a, and a sleeping bag with him. And his very, like, raggedy, like, you know, lumberjack clothes. Where the Cinderella has, like, a combination of, like, flower crown and, like, basically a wedding dress almost little red riding hood has a helmet and overalls and like a skirt and like mismatched socks and then the i think jack looks a little bit more fantasy and i think the princes look a little bit more fantasy it's just so it's so interesting like the kai would love to like i'm sure there's an article about the costumes that i can find and post but i want to give a shout out to whoever the costume designer is i will put their name in the in the show notes i'm so sorry i don't remember your name and and i also think speaking on costumes you have to mention the the witch's costume for the first oh, half yeah. of the musical oh, God, I completely forgot. it was this like weird because she's supposed to be ugly but they made her so much more than just ugly quote unquote yeah. and they like made her into like this tree druid looking yeah. thing that had like branches coming out of her fingertips with crutches that she used that were dressed up to look like branches yeah and And luckily even though me and blake watched a bootleg there are trailers of this performance on like broadway.com like three minute trailers so i'll be able to post that and you'll be able to see little glimpses of these costumes in hd because they're so good in hd i also going back to the to the narrator and the way that they kind of portrayed the the story with the child, I think it was really cool that the baker and the father were played by the same actor because the the kid um, the, it it makes the it makes that the story spans over three generations, which I thought was really important, and I didn't realize the first time I watched the show, and I've watched this iteration like six times, but the kid. And then his father slash Baker, and then the Baker's father make three generations of of people going through this story, which I thought was just like a really cool touch. It basically, well, it doesn't add a generation because the Baker does have a has a has a baby 
in the but original the baby story, he's a child, and basically the child is left motherless. Uh, and you could almost kind of parallel that to the narrator and be like, is does this kid represent his son? Does he also not have a mom? So when the dad in quote unquote 2012, this real dad told the kid the story, does was it to justify why this kid doesn't have a mom? And I think that that's a really like interesting place to go. And I like, I just think that that's like, that that made like my mind go there because it's something that I would have never have thought about in, in uh, the normal Broadway into the woods, but the adaptation that this is made me go there. And I think that's something that's really cool about revivals. And I don't think people give revivals like enough of a fair shake. I think revivals are good mostly yeah and you touched on this a little bit before but into the woods has such a like blank slate when it comes to what you can do with it it's such a bare story that you could inject so much into it and like change aspects that changes the whole story Mm -hmm. do you do you have anything else that really like stuck out to you about the i forgot to mention um the we were talking about i was talking about the cast like very early on in this podcast. But one of the really cool things is that the original, the guy who played the baker in like the 1989 version, it's old, it's an old show. Um, The guy who played the baker in the original version plays the baker's dad in this version, which is really cool. His name is, um, I believe it's Chip Zane or Zion, plays the the dad, which is really cool. Um, Blake, you recognize the baker, yeah, uh, so the only two people in this production that I know are the baker and the baker's wife. Uh, the baker's wife, Amy Adams, is a very famous actress at this point. Yeah. And then the baker, Dennis O'Hare. Oh, Dennis O'Hare. Oh, I do know that name. Okay, yeah. Uh, he, I know him from uh, American Horror Story, which mm-hmm. once again goes back to me being into the more macabre horror stuff. And I was just like, oh, he's that dis- disfigured guy from that show I watched. <laughs> but I think it's, I honestly didn't even know that he could sing. But yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, um, I think, um, again, like a lot of the cast members in terms of Broadway, um, I I like want to say maybe like weren't discovered yet at the point that they were at maybe. Jesse Mueller, who like is very well known for starring in both Carol King the musical as Carol King and also in Waitress as the lead as Jenna um, was Cinderella uh, in this show. Um, I feel like Carol King, Carol King the musical came out in, I want to say 2013, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, I can put put that down in the notes, but like, and then Sarah, Sarah Stiles, I I don't want to keep saying her name because I'm afraid I'm wrong. Um, but her, her, Sarah, um, is who, like, you know, is, was just in a Broadway musical and also just in a, like, Steven Universe, which is super popular. Um, and then Gideon Glick, who, um, hilariously, that's how I found this version of the musical. Um, Gideon Glick, who plays the Ginger Jack, which is really funny. I liked since Spring Awakening. He was in the original cast of Spring Awakening in 2008. I don't know if you know that show. I do not. Oh my god, you need to see Spring Awakening. Okay. It's so good. It's also, I mean, it's it's more morbid than it is, like, scary. Gideon Glick was uh, an original in Spring Awakening, which is really cool, in 2008, and he was so young. And then he was in this production of Into the Woods, 
Um, but most recently, he was just in To Kill a Mockingbird, and he's been also replacing Seymour in Little Shop in the revival of Little Shop of Horrors on Broadway as well. So he's just also starting to like come back a little bit. But um, I've always been like super into Gideon Glick, so I like. I, I love him so much. So I was like, when I heard him singing um, Giants in the Sky, I was like, okay, where is this from? I have to watch it. And then I found the production. And then I watched the Central Park version. Cool story. I actually met him one time. Um, I went to 54 and Below. Um, and I asked the waiter, I was like, is that Gideon Glick over there? And they were like, yes, it is. And I was like, can I say hi? And they were like, we'd prefer if you didn't. And so I did not, but he was there and I saw him and he looks great. Um, and I'm glad to see him supporting his friend, but yeah. So that was cool. I like saw him. I probably, I didn't meet him, but I did like see him and I lost my mind. So I hope he didn't feel that, but I like, I lost my, I lost my mind. Um, I was with like a bunch of people at my table who didn't know who he was. And I was trying to like silently be like, you don't know who Gideon Glick is. And he's like four feet away from me. Wow, so fun. Um, but yeah, do you have any? Do you have a, Do you have anything that you want to talk about or mention with the? Uh, well, I did want to. Besides uh, the set, besides before we go into production stuff. Okay. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Oh, cool. Uh, Let's go into production then. Go I mean, that giant treehouse-looking structure. Uh, we talked about this before we started recording, yeah. and I think we have different opinions about it, but I love the set. I I think it's so cool to have this just larger-than-life, like, almost absurdly tall structure that is so cumbersome. <laughs> and especially for that first number, when it introduces the, like, five different main stories yeah it's supposed to be like this sort of confusing uh musical number and just seeing everyone in and out of that treehouse on various levels is just like that just plays into the sort of madness that this this musical is about yeah i think the reason that into the woods kind of gets away with it is because all of the stories like you should basically already know from your childhood yeah, it's so an absurd. It knows that if you, if it doesn't ha- if it doesn't handhold you, you'll still understand like most of what's going on. Like everybody knows Jack and the Beanstalk. Everybody knows Little Red Riding Hood and Cinderella. Like everybody knows Cinderella. So like you know, going through the story basically like as long as you kind of know, you don't need your handheld throughout the entire thing, which I think is like to its advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was just I was just laughing because um, during like the one midnight, two midnights, I like they all have to come out and they basically like say the lesson that they learned that day. So like this, the the slotted spoon can't hold much soup, and it's like they're all kind of like trying to get up the staircase and like say their line and then go back down the staircase. But it's just kind of like a traffic jam. Um, maybe it's because like I know that there could have been like more done, like more. I, it's just hearing the way that the cast like talks about like how they were introduced to the set and how like the process was so fast that they didn't even tech the second half before the preview. So I don't know if you know like the the ter- the theater terms like um to an extent. <laughs> yeah. So do you know what a tech is? Um, like in my head, I'm thinking like a technical run through. Yeah. So it's a technical <laughs> run through that normally lasts like around a week or whatever but it's like a set amount of time they have to get through the entire show. 
So there's this podcast that I listen to called Josh Swallows and Josh Lehman, who is from Philadelphia. So we love him. Um, was in this production of was in this production of Into the Woods, and he brought um, Gideon Glick, Sarah, uh, Jesse, and um, Chip as well. Um, and I believe that's it onto his podcast. And he talks about like the experiences that they had specifically with the set, which was really cool. Um, and they talked about how they only had they didn't even tech the second half of the show before the preview started of the show. So they went into their first preview blind from the second half. Like, they didn't know what to do in the second half. They knew what to do. It was blocked, but it wasn't like... They hadn't run it with, like, full tech, full lights and sound. And 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 the apparently this they had to re-block the entire show because the they had never practiced vertical, vertically. Like, the, the stage, the practice set that I guess they had in rehearsal, like, didn't have actual steps. So they couldn't time things correctly like which just makes like a lot of sense like theater is on such a tight budget like they like you never feel like enough time is enough time with theater but so like there was just like I think another like thing that I was talking about I didn't hate it like I I love the set I think the set is really good um one of the disadvantages of watching on a bootleg um is unfortunately it's like terrible so I don't really know why anybody like is like oh you boot you people who bootleg get a good show for free. And it's like, well, not really, because, like, the bootleg we watched, like, blacked out, like, eight times and also, like, was behind somebody's head almost the entire time. Like, it was not great. The only reason I did this show specifically with Blake is because Blake already knows the show so well and because I really wanted to do this show with somebody who knew the show really well. Yeah, if this was my first experience watching it... Yeah. I mean, I already didn't like this show the first time I watched it. Uh, <laughs> so watching this version would have frustrated me even more. I yeah, think. yeah. So that's like, you know, I very much choose what I let people watch, and um, especially for a podcast. So the fact that all that was happening, um, we, the placement that we were at, where the stage was basically in a U-shape, um, and I should know what that shape is called in theater, but I think it's called a thrust stage, but I might be wrong, um, is a big, like, basically like a big U. And it's su- such a drastic U that the, you and the audience are around is that you can almost look across. Um, if you're sitting on the extreme sides, you can look across and you can see other people. It wasn't like that extreme. I would say it was just a little bit less extreme than that. Like I could see out of the periphery, whoever was sitting there could probably see out of the periphery people on the other side of the show, but like there was that much open space. So it was like a huge, like open mulch area. And then the set was actually set pretty far back from that. And that is the thing that I didn't like as much was just the amount of open floor space that they had and then the amount of like how far back the set was um i think this the set could have almost been completely against the audience because it gave it it gave it like a very like uh like an l-shaped feel to the set where it's like you're you're it's a flat it's flat it's a flat ground and then all of a sudden you shoot up and then that's where the treehouse starts either that or they could have just pushed the treehouse further to the audience Like, I just wish, because there's a lot of complexity in that treehouse. Like, it didn't just, like, I say say it was a flat wall where they just go up, 
only because that's all the audience saw because there was actually a lot of depth to it when you looked at it harder and there were things that people were doing on the inside of the treehouse that like you couldn't see because the, your depth perception is off and because there was people in the way so that's like that's like my only gripe with the set i think a treehouse set i think the fact they did it outside was super cool the fact that it starts in daylight and then ends at nighttime i thought was one of the coolest things like i've ever seen in my entire life uh like playing with like actual night and day i thought that was yeah insane you know yeah and even when they had um because there was at one point in i believe it was the second half when they had like artificial lighting in the background Mm -hmm. to make it look like you were deep in the woods but it Uh was still daylight out yeah. And, like, that visual effect, it didn't look artificial. It looked like they were. it was really daylight Yeah. in, like, in the distance. Yeah, and that's uh, also kudos to the lighting designer, whose name I will also put in the show notes when I find it out. I'm going to have to do some extensive digging for some of these names. You know, what a, what a cool concept um, for this, like, beautiful show. I will say there was a little bit of, like, technical issues. Um, they talk a lot about it in the Josh Swallows podcast. They talk like a little bit about like how hot it was, like things that we, me and Blake wouldn't know by looking at it, but like how hot it was um, and how like there, I mean, we saw how many steps there were. There are so many steps. Like, I think the set is like 50 feet in the air or something. Yeah. I don't have the cardio to do that. Yeah. Like I don't have the cardio <laughs> for that. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Um, but the other thing that um, like we kept hearing were planes. Oh Yeah. And that's the that's... one bad thing about being outside. That and weather. The planes were so loud. They would like, the first one I remember was during um, the Baker and Baker's Wife song, It Takes Two. Uh-huh. It's just, it was deafening. Yeah. <laughs> At first I thought that there was like some issue with the recording yeah. or something. And I was just like, oh, I'll just let it pass. And then it just yeah. kept on coming. <laughs> you and I just start. I mean, I just started going plane, whatever I heard a plane in the musical. Yeah. Because um, it's just like, it's, it's, that's like, it's so crazy. It's like you just hear like a plane going overhead. But also, but I mean, this that's was like another in... thing with actors is that's just like you get over that by doing improv or stalling or whatever. Yeah. And this production was also in Central Park, correct? Yes. So, like, I think if they did this exact same thing and like off in the like outskirts of, I don't know, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. where it's lots less air traffic, I think yeah, it would true. be a lot more successful. Just, yeah. I think, with Central Park, it's a little ambitious because it's this tiny enclave of forest in a huge noise pollution area. Yeah, well, and relative to, like, how big the theater is, um, like, this theater space and how the people, it's, like, not, but, like, in relative to how many planes fly over New York, yes. Yeah. Because New York, because Central Park is like huge. I think the last time I checked, it's like it go it's about fifty blocks by eight long blocks. So long blocks in New York are probably like four normal blocks. So I would say it's probably like well maybe less. It might be like twenty eight twenty eight blocks by like fifty blocks. It is truly such a large park. Like I've tried walking that entire park. It is so difficult it is so beautiful but also just so large like... uh, central park is 1.317 square miles yeah or 840 acres 
So it <laughs> it is big. It is a forest. Oh yeah. Basically. Oh, as yeah. much as you can get in a city. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's kind of like it's like amazing and beautiful. Like I love I love that park a lot. It's I mean, I love New York. I'm just like super enchanted with New York. So New York in general is just beautiful. So Central Park is like so cool. Um, in the podcast and Josh Swallows, they also like talk about like where Chip lives, um, which is he apparently lives right off of Central Park, which like good for him. But uh, it's so yeah. He said I, something I, unintentionally funny that I need to point out because oh. it's really funny to me and it's probably not going to be funny to anybody else. But you said Enchanted in New York, yeah. which was a movie that took place in New York and starred Amy Adams, who's in oh, this yeah. production too. Yeah, like in my mind, the like red yarn oh, pinned yeah. to the wall is going crazy. Uh, yeah. It's not funny at all, but yeah. <laughs> I needed to point that out. Yeah, I mean, I think Amy Adams did like a really good job with the role. Like, it, like normally when people bring in Hollywood actors, which like I know is very like it's a, it's very general because there are a lot of Hollywood actors who got their start in theater and then went into Hollywood and then just stayed in Hollywood. Um, and then we'll come back to theater and then people will be like, you don't deserve to be here in theater. You're just a Hollywood actor, but like have no idea like what their training was actually like. And I am very like that. I will admit that. But um, and I was very surprised by Amy Adams, but she was very good in this role. Like there was not a weak link in that cast at no, all. I, Amy Adams, I am very much in love with. Yeah, she's uh, I think that she's I think she's gorgeous. I think that she's an amazing actress, but I think it's just so, it's just a testament to her acting skills that she can play such a stripped down part that doesn't rely on, you know, her mm-hmm. being one of the most gorgeous human beings on the yeah. face of the planet. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's just really good at acting and portraying that role of, you know, a a wife who's trying to get pregnant and will go to any lengths to have that happen yeah yeah she she like the i think the testament to how good your baker's wife is is always um the song that she sings uh i know things now which is when she cheats on the prince and basically i think like i said earlier has to literally have a character arc within uh like a two minute section of the song and she does it very well and like it, it's be it's i can read it on her face her and Don, i mean donna murphy is uh, I feel like both a um, Hollywood and theater legend together, like she's a package deal, kind of like Sutton Foster right now. I didn't realize how popular she was in like TV and stuff, but she's the same way. Um, but Donna Murphy played um, Mother Gothel, I think is the character's name. Yeah. In, in Tangled, Tangled. Which is like perfect, like overbearing mom, like perfect. I mean, that basically is the same role. Yeah, that she literally plays mother of Rapunzel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's, she's so, she's so good as the witch. She's really good as the witch. Yeah. I mean, that cast is just so much talent. Hearing like early Jesse Mueller for me, like gets me every time. And of course, like Gideon Glick, who I'm there for, but like hearing Jesse Mueller, like a young Jesse Mueller, like sing some of Cinderella's songs is just like, I'm like, oh, she's so good. She's so good. You should watch like some of her stuff. She's very talented. I love her very much. Um, is is there anything else that you wanted to to talk about about Into the Woods before we sign off? Well, I do think uh, if you do watch this production and you like that that setup uh, with the the verticality of the stage, uh-huh. um, that reminded me a lot of another 
production that I saw. Uh, not musical production, but a Cirque du Soleil show that's in Las Vegas. Caw, which is in the MGM. Uh, I talked to you about it a little bit, but I just wanted to mention that and be like, if you're really interested in that, like, all-encompassing uh, stage presence that goes beyond just a flat floor. I definitely look that up, and if you're ever in Vegas, go to that show too, because it's really cool to see the verticality. Yeah, you don't really see too, like, I think the, the cool thing about In the Woods is that not just the verticality of it, but the fact that there were so many different levels. Mm-hmm. I would say there were, like, three levels of the actual treehouse, and then on top of that, there would be, like, little, like, three foot, two foot, three foot, like, platforms off of those floors that would be, like, for, like, little moments that the characters would have, um, which was really cool, and it made it, like, look like a like a treehouse, like a jungle gym. Um, unfortunately, it included having to climb so many stairs, but um, it, I think that the, the way that, like, I just wish that the set was a little bit more horizontal. Like, it just, like, it could stay as vertical as it was, just, like, a little bit more horizontal, just, like, a little bit more horizontal. Because it was really, it was really difficult for, like, some of the moments to, like, shine through. It was so, like, it was so, like, a wall. You have to have the depth in the, in coming towards you as well. I think in the woods would be, well, never. I think that's a different conversation. I think it would be a different conversation to have. Because that would just be, like, the immersive aspect. Like, I think a really cool thing would be to do a stripped-down version of Into the Woods in the Circle in the Square Theater where you're surrounded 360 degrees by audience. Um, but the problem with that is that you can't have any verticality when you're being surrounded in 360. Um, there can be like no, there can be no level really on the ground um, because then the people on the other side can't see you. And that's a problem sometimes with, with people's experiences is when they are designing for 360, you don't realize how limited the set gets. Um, once you try and design for that kind of setting. I do think that that, especially for Into the Woods, it would be a huge challenge to try to do that sort of setup, mm-hmm. just because Into the Woods has such this like larger-than-life aspect, because mm-hmm. it is about fairy tales. And to do that in such a limited space, you can only have so many props in there at a time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that the props in the, the version we watched, the Central Park version, I think the props, like, really helped with the show. Um, the only thing that, like, again, the thing that I didn't like was how empty it was in the, in the, in the area in front of the treehouse. It was very barren. Um, and they would try and fill the area with, like, these homemade, the sets made from props that people would hold and puppet um, as the scenes were going on. But, like, other than that, it was, like, a lot of blank space, which is what I didn't, I didn't like as much. I actually, like, I wish more of it took place on the uh on the treehouse but most of the main conflict happened on the ground and happened in the in the mulch area yeah probably because it's a lot to ask your cast to be walking upstairs for two and a half hours yeah um i I do think i do think if they were able to get everything on that treehouse yeah i think that that would have been really cool yeah Um, i understand that that's a huge challenge and i'm saying that while i'm you know, sitting on my couch after not moving from it for a solid month at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I think if they just forego all of that empty space at the bottom and just moved everything to that treehouse, it would have been a it would have been a better use of space. Yeah, I I definitely think that 
it's something that I like strive to do in my sets because a lot of my sets tend to be like immersive, um, which means there's a lot of like moving around and a lot of like pushing actors sometimes past like being comfortable in that way. Um, so I always like to ask, but like the thing is, is that like, like actors don't want to tell you like they can't do it because that makes them seem like it, you know, it's a big faux pas in the, in, in the industry, like where people feel like they can't speak their hearts because that might like mean that they're like, quote, like, you know, like unwilling to work or like unwilling to do something. So for example, when I was doing my, my thesis, um, that, like I don't know if you know about it. We have not talked about our no. thesis projects. Okay, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't care. I, it's not important that you know what it is. But I talked to Colton Ryan, who was a standby in Dear Evan Hansen. I just like talked to him um, because one of the shows that I was doing that I was designing, um, like hypothetically, basic. That was basically my thesis. Is I went out and I hypothetically designed four shows. Um, and I tried to talk to the writers, um, and I talked to Colton Ryan for two of the shows. One of them was Jeremy Hansen. One of them was, it's kind of a funny story, and they both happened to have him in it. So I talked to him about it. And one question that, like, I asked him um, was, like, if I, you know, I had this idea that, um, do you know the story, it's kind of a funny story? No. That's cool. So it starts out with this kid on a bike. And he's like riding the bike and the show starts out introduce you're introduced to the kid while he's riding a bike. And so I was asking Colton, I was like, do you realistically think you could like spell out the notes that you're trying to do while also on a stationary bike, like literally like pedaling for this like 10 minute song? Like he would be basically like, because the emotion of the song is kind of like, like when the feeling of when you're biking really fast and like the hair is in the wind is in your hair and you're, it's a very freeing feeling and that's kind of what this is but like realistically can't like I was like can you be on a stationary bike and like be pedaling for your life while also belting out this song like pedal and like and he was like he was very nice and but he said what I'm sure all actors which would say which is I would try it but I feel like for actors, like, they don't want to seem like they can't do something because that means that that's just one thing that, like, the director is like, oh, well, he can't do it. We get some. So we'll get somebody else. It's that kind of feeling. You don't want to say so, you don't want to say that you're not good at something because it might lead to you not getting the job, I guess, is how I would yeah. put that. So asking somebody to do, like, the immense cardio in Into the Woods is, like, that's super hard to, like ask of somebody to to do and it's unfortunately something that you have to workshop like into the woods especially the version that we watched today is something that should be workshopped on an accurate set to make sure that everything works because there are so many factors that could go wrong um and so and then the contradictory part of it is that theaters don't have enough money to do that to workshop it over and over and over again to do all these things so that's theater for you but as a set designer I want to make sure that my that my actors are comfortable um just as much as if my director is like you know I want this crazy thing to happen like I want to realistically be like well if I'm going to make this thing I want to make sure that the actors are safe and I want to make sure that they can do it comfortably and not have to do cardio for nine minutes without testing if it's okay for someone to do you know that kind of thing yeah 
But I mean, I I think that that's one good thing about, you know, just being an audience member of musicals is that you can make these like ridiculous demands on actors (laughs) and you don't actually have to consider whether or not it's physically possible for them or the set designers you could I could just say you know I just want only vertical yeah and that's as much as I need to think about it personally it's you know you as a set designer or the actors who are the ones who like need to workshop all of those issues which I yeah. mean, I'm mad respect because I'm not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think realistically things should really be, I mean, that's why you have like out of town tryouts and then you go to off Broadway and then Broadway is you just like want to make sure that the cast is comfortable and that like everybody who's there is comfortable, like stage managers and lighting and, and every, you want to make sure everybody is in a comfortable place. But that's just something that it's something that like really interests me because the the route that I'm going through in my career or whatever is starting to be like, oh, like actors are going to be very active on my set. It's going to be a very active show, especially if you're talking about doing musicals and plays. If the set, if like, you, like not only are your actors acting um, and having to pay attention and immerse themselves in the story, but they're also singing and dancing, which is just so like hard. Like I can't even, I can't even imagine like, yeah. I was singing while I was washing the dishes today and I got winded. So No, uh to work on like my lung capacity, uh <laughs> especially this last month, because nobody's outside, I'll go on a walk at like eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. Uh and I'll just start singing while I'm walking yeah. and I lose my breath right away. Yeah. Like a block in, I'm already gasping. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not like unfit per se. Yeah. Well, so... I sort of am, but <laughs> But, like, that just goes to show you, like, these, like, professional performers work so hard to be able to have that lung capacity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a different kind of stamina. Well, is that, is that, do you have any more questions? Um, I don't think so. don't think so. Or, well, actually, yeah, a question. Oh, yeah. Because you have a lot of uh, knowledge with musicals. I do. Um, So, for someone who does, like... Uh, into the woods uh-huh. what other musical would you recommend like one that's not well known oh my god uh, i i like this question so much i might like make it a permanent staple on my podcast um i love recommending musicals oh boy we're gonna have to like cut out me thinking for like <laughs> 40 seconds do you want like a son do you want a son time recommendation or do you want like anything that is similar to into the woods Anything that's similar to Into the Woods. Because for me, Into the Woods is all about this, like, whimsical nature of a story that, like, you know, you might know, you might not know, but it's just completely throws everything out the window and pushes you in a whole nother direction. I should have definitely not just sprung this on you at the last second. Yeah, I mean, I love, like, thinking about, like, what musicals, like, people would like. I, like, I don't know, I think... One of the points that I was making before is that Sondheim is like uniquely for this for this musical is like um, for Into the Woods because it's like all fairy tales and like very rhyme scheming and very like for kids like nursery rhymes almost. It's such a good like his music is so good for that. It just like matches so well. I almost think in a way Into the Woods is almost like its own kind of like one of a kind musical. Like I, I don't know any there's like, you know, Once Upon a Mattress, but that's like just like another show that's based on a fairy tale. 
it's not but that's not and i don't even know that show very well i just know that it's like based on the princess and the pea i i i mean any something that is is lyrically complicated and and has a lot of motifs as something of a sondheim like i would just recommend another sondheim do you know about um like let this be known on record i don't know many musicals that aren't that well known i i know i am very much in love with all the popular ones um i haven't gotten to listen to really unpopular ones yet have you heard of company i have not so company is another sondheim musical that's more like adult just because it's about married couples um and it's on like it's on broadway right now um and it's a very popular sondheim show so it's not like an unknown like you're requesting but but i mean for someone who isn't super into musicals because like i do love musicals but i'm not well versed in anything beyond like yeah well-known musicals and musicals that got their own movies yeah well so, like, just a musical you haven't heard of yet, I would say, co- for you specifically, Company, I think you would like a lot, also by Stephen Sondheim. I would recommend, I don't know, I, more Sondheims, I would recommend Merrily We Roll Along and Sunday in the Park with George, which I think are a little bit lesser-known Sondheim shows, depending on who you ask. Um, if you ask okay. a theater major about Sunday in the Park with George, I will. They know that musical. But... I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Oh, um, it's Sunday in the Park with George is is uh, very interesting because it's um it's a musical about a painting. I'm gonna Ooh. try and describe the painting right now because I don't know what it's called, and I know you're probably not gonna know what it's called. But it's a very famous painting. It, is it the like... impressionist painting of like Victorian era people? Did you look it up on the computer? No, I just. I know that painting. It's the stippling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a musical about that painting. Oh. The creator oh, that's cool. of the painting. It's fictional. <laughs> it is yeah. about the person who created the painting, even though it's a completely fictional story. Um, but that is like it's a difficult musical to grasp, just because it's a little bit dull at times. But, like, a lot of the messages that come from it are so good. It's just, like, a little slow. But I would also recommend Company, like, for sure. Um, I think is the best one. Merrily okay. We Roll Along is a very famous Sondheim flop that, like, didn't do well at all. It only played for, like, 16 performances or something like that. And then it closed on Broadway. But it's it's a really cool story. Um, it is the perspective of three friends whose friendship deteriorates over um like a period of 30 years it's a very like long stretched out show um in terms of the time time periods like how old they get like it goes from them when they're like young and dumb like in their younger 20s to like their 50s 60s um okay but the cool thing is that it's told backward Mm. so you see them when they're old and bitter and then the last song of the show is when they're 22 and hopeful and it's heartbreaking (laughs) That sounds like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about that, just because, especially with this quarantine going on, I'm not mentally oh, that's stable true. enough to watch yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I think Company would be good. I think you would really like Company. Okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm gonna, rec- you don't know what Company is, so I'm just gonna recommend Company. Um, I recommend Company to everybody. One of the really cool things about Company right now is the revival, um, the The show is based around um, a single guy and his married friends, basically. Um, and his married friends are basically like 
hilariously telling him why not to get married and also why to get married. Um, and the cool thing about the revival now in literally 2020, like it just started in March, which I feel bad about because now Broadway's closed, literally is they changed the character to be a woman. So it's a woman in her mid-30s who's dealing with all of her cup, all of her friends getting married. And it's just so, it's so interesting. You would like it. It's like they're full, full the full show is like on YouTube and everything. Um, it's so good. Just like listen to it. Very similar to Into the Woods where it's like many people, uh, it's an ensemble cast, like everybody has a name um, and a lot of like singing, like overlap singing and it's so good. It's such a good Sondheim show. Company is probably one of my favorite Sondheim shows next to Into the Woods. But yeah, so that's my recommendation. Okay. Company. Yeah, thank you for that. And I will definitely be looking that up because I have all of the time on my Oh my god. Um, do you have anything, do you want to plug anything? Like, do you have, like, a website or social media you want to plug? I do have a website that I do not want to plug, (laughs) um, because it is an unfinished portfolio that I still need to do, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's cool. I post random pictures, um, my latest theme has been pink stuff. Yeah, I don't Don't think I follow you on Instagram. Yeah, I'll like, do that. It, it's a lot of irrele- like irrelevant pictures that show nothing about my personality or life, which yeah. is exactly what I want Instagram to do. Oh my god, <laughs> I haven't um, I haven't posted on Instagram in like three three years, like a year, like truly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like uh, Instagram is stupid. I don't even know why I post to it, but I do. And yeah. every now and then, I'll get someone to reaching out to me asking if I could like or like offering me money to like showcase some of their products. And I'm oh like, oh my god, dude, so have you funny. seen my Instagram? It's <laughs> this how is many not followers you have. I don't have that many. I don't think. Yeah, this is like. I really don't care. Although I am asking people to uh, follow my Instagram, which is oh at god. Blake Stavros. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, I'll put those in the I'll put those in the show notes then. Okay. Cool. Thank you for for talking about musicals with me. Of um, I'm glad that I'm glad that like we can continue to do this. And maybe if I like do more stuff like with you and with people who can't so the normally when the when we aren't quarantined the podcast is basically I take all of my friends and I bring them to shows in Philadelphia um but because I can't do that I'm doing a lot of remote shows like shows that I can only see through YouTube or through a streaming service um or whatever oh my god somebody has to watch Shrek the Musical with me (laughs) I love Shrek the Musical but we won't go there that's a hot take people aren't ready for so I don't know because I want to have you back on. So maybe 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 hey, if I'm maybe ever on the East half Coast, Philadelphia and half Broadway. Yeah, friends. if I'm ever on the East Coast or if you're ever on the West Coast. Oh yeah, I would love to see a show. We'll talk. We'll. Uh, I would love to see a show in 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 LA. But we'll talk about that after the podcast is over. But thank you for thank you for being here. Of course, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thank you for thank you for listening. Um. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, I hope you all had fun. Come back in two weeks. We have a full list of guests. Um, this is the first time I've ever been like booked and have not, have not had to beg people to get on this podcast. Um, so we're going to like, you know, ride that wave until I have to ask more people to come on. Um, but thank you for listening. 
We'll see you in two weeks, hopefully. We'll see. Editing takes a long, a long time. Bye. Bye, guys.